today on Ag News Daily. FeedX is a marketplace for animal feed, um, but we think it's much more than that. So we're trying to make it easy for farmers to find the best nutrients for their cattle. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here on the Ag News Daily Podcast for today's Fry Yay episode. And it might not be such a Fry Yay for Mike. I think he is out sick today. Been fighting some sort of gunk going around. So it's just going to be me flying the plane today solo. But I will be joined here in just a little while by Carl Lippert, the inventor, co-founder, I should say, of FeedX. And for some of you that may have been at the Iowa Power Farming Show earlier this week, you might have seen Carl around, specifically competing in the pitch competition that was going on this week at the show. So we're going to talk to Carl about that competition, how that went for him, why he got into the ag tech space to start. But before we do that, there is quite a bit of agricultural news going on today in the world. So to kick things off here, this was sent in by good friend of the podcast, Gary Rasmussen. Another hit, another blow has happened to the dairy industry, specifically the Wisconsin dairy industry. We saw on just today, on Friday, Attorney General Josh Cowell announced that Michael J. Moran, who is the owner of the Wisconsin Dairy State Cheese Company, was charged with a felony theft of more than 80 farmers in Wood County. It sounds like, essentially, Michael was... Forging names of farmers on underpayment checks, converting funds for his own use or use of others, and some embezzlement, some not good things were going on there. And it seems we saw about 80 different farmers suffer losses of about $21,000, just over $21,000. So not a huge loss there for those 80 milk producers, but still definitely a blow to their bottom lines, I'm sure. And of those victims, about 21 were over the age of 60. So there was definitely a larger portion of older farmers that were being taken advantage of here in this situation going on in Wisconsin. But Michael could face up to 10 years of imprisonment and a maximum fine of $25,000, which I assume will be paid back out to some of those folks that were impacted by his scandal going on there in Wisconsin. But speaking of markets and the way that markets are controlled, we, are, we saw the CFTC move forward working on some options for ag commodities. We saw just on Thursday they proposed a new position limit for market speculators along with some expanded exemptions that could benefit grain processors and other companies that use the commodity markets to hedge their risk. Essentially, it sounds like here this new proposal would increase the amount of a of speculative positions that can be held by producers, traders, and others participating in the futures and derivatives market. And there would be about 25 core physical commodity future contracts and their economically equivalent futures, options, and swaps. So not really sure what that means as of yet. And uh, they really haven't given a lot of new information on that on their website yet, the CFTC. But it does sound like there are some changes coming. What those are are a little bit unclear as of yet. 
but they gave the example of if a farmer can't offset the risk of next year's crop, or a ref- if a refiner can't offset a risk for crude oil on a new plant, or if a wholesaler can't offset risks on inventory it's buying, those businesses are not able to expand their operations. So it, this proposal needs to address those needs in a broad exemption and change some of the hedging and the hedging and option strategies, it sounds like, really here. So continue to watch that here, but that is also shaking on the pipeline. Another government decision was decided. I suppose you could call it decided on Thursday. The EPA basically reaffirmed that glyphosate, of course the active ingredient in herbicide Roundup, is safe to use and, quote, unlikely to cause cancer. So we are seeing glyphosate and Roundup Ready be the large argument in the Bayer-Monsanto lawsuits going on right now that, of course, are trying to be settled outside of the courtroom, but the EPA said in a decision on Thursday that they've thoroughly evaluated potential human health risks associated to that exposure of glyphosate and determined there aren't really any health risks to human health due due to and looking at the current way that glyphosate is licensed and registered and it's not likely to be carcinogenic carcinogenic for humans there's a lot of not likely probably not you know kind of some gray area it, it the way that they've released this really sounds like it allows still some wiggle room i suppose you could say for those folks fighting in the courtroom or fighting outside of the courtroom for the bear monsanto cases and it doesn't sound like the epa really gave us a concrete decision other than it likely doesn't cause cancer. So, I don't know. Is that a win? Is it not? It's kind of hard to say at this point. But one thing that is a win for American agriculture is moving closer to receiving high-speed internet. We saw the Federal Communications Commission vote to move ahead with a nearly $21 billion plan to Bruce boost broadband connectivity in underserved areas under the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund that rolled out on Thursday. It's basically aimed to support Universal Service Fund, which would award money over a 10-year period to get gigabyte speed broadband networks in areas that lack access to 25 megabytes per second. It's not very fast internet, I'll just tell you what. Um, I think my internet at home is about 40 or 50 megabytes. So 25 is, I guess, faster. I guess uh, a better step in the right direction, but still is not going to be super high-speed internet, in my opinion. So we will continue to watch that story. That one is one, of course, that uh, I really watch because my parents have horrible internet, and to do anything at their place... I have to use a hotspot, so I've been uh, watching that one for a long time, hoping that perhaps their internet will at some point get fixed, and I can be able to work at their places when I'm home visiting, but we will continue to watch that one as well. Some other news came out about the coronavirus that's, of course, 
impacting the commodity markets as well as stock markets and our general economy, more specifically China's general economy. But this came out on Bloomberg just yesterday, looking at China's Hubei, 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 the provenance basically that's been really impacted by the coronavirus. I believe it's pronounced Hubei. The Hubei provenance is on pretty much complete lockdown. And so that area of China is a very big poultry-producing part of China. There's apparently more than 300 million chickens in that province of China that has been on lockdown. This has paralyzed shipments of animal feed, specifically chicken feed, and raw materials to make those feeds. And so the local poultry associations in those areas are very very concerned, saying that if we don't see feed by the end of the week, those folks, those chicken producers will definitely run out of feed. And I mean, potentially we could see a big loss of chicken deaths, chickens in that part of the country. It does pose the question if we do not see them lift up the ban or are able to get chicken feed into that area, will they indeed instead pick up U.S. ag exports, chicken, poultry, pork, or otherwise. And of course, eggs are also a big part of the Chinese diet. So we are watching that one kind of on pins and needles, but 300 million chickens in that part of the country. And going along with that, we've also seen China's commodity exchanges have been on recess because of the extended Lunar New Year break. So where traders are definitely watching Sunday night into Monday morning to see how China's Dalian Commodity Exchange reacts. We will see them resume trading on February 3rd. And like I said, everybody's kind of watching this very closely to see what is going to happen. Is our Chinese markets going to react quite poorly when they open up due to the coronavirus epidemic that has been going on? Or... Are we going to see that risk off make its way through the mar- market and maybe filter itself out? But I was reading something today that said about a million people have been impacted health-wise. And so it's some scary stuff going on there in the Chinese country. But uh, we'll see. We will continue to watch that. The other piece of Chinese-related news going on right now is looking at the USDA report. The next WASDE report is, of course, on Tuesday, February 11th. And so there are some wire stories. There are some rumors and trickles going around, especially the commodity broadcasting side, I guess if that's what you want to call it. The folks like Bloomberg, Reuters, etc. There's been some rumors going on that perhaps the USDA could drastically adjust, especially export numbers to incorporate those lofty goals supposedly agreed upon by China as outlined in the phase one trade agreement. And so we could see, I mean, so the baseline they used, 2017 baseline, was still about $12.5 billion below where they put the baseline at for 2020 and about $19.5 billion below where they, or 
2017 was about 19 and a half billion below the baseline for 2021. So it's rumored that perhaps since China, or excuse me, since the USDA is so confident that this phase one trade deal will be enacted, that we will see these numbers come through, perhaps USDA will adjust those January, excuse me, February 11th numbers to reflect those phase one commitments. Don't really have any confidence one way or the other. Don't have any commitment from the USDA one way or the other, I should say. But that is one of the rumors as of now going around the rumor mill, so to speak. With that, though, I think I am all out of news for today. Let's take a look here over at our agricultural commodity markets that closed. But of course, folks, if you are interested there, I believe there's still a couple more days to register for the agmarket.net conference going on early next week in Council Bluffs, Iowa. You'll see Matt Bennett, Brian Split, Betsy Gibbons, and a few other great folks talking about the macro and micros of the agricultural commodity, the technical analysis, and an outlook for agriculture overall. Taking a look here to start off our markets, the corn markets, for whatever reason, were the only ones to end in the green for today. The March contract ended up a penny and three quarters to close at 381 and a quarter. The May up a penny and a quarter as well to close at 386 and a half. Soybeans continue their downward slide to close out the week. March contract at 872 and a half, finishing three and three quarters cents lower. The May ending three and three quarters cents lower as well to close at 886 and three quarters. The wheat pits were the major losers today in the grain markets with the March contract shedding six and three quarters cents to close at 553 and three quarters. The May closing down six cents to end at 552 and a half. Hopping over into the livestock markets, the live cattle complex shed 40 cents in the February contract today to close at 121.37. The April down 52.5 cents to close at 119.67.5. The feeder cattle pits had some strength today to finish out the week with the March contract in the green 42.5 cents to close at 136.07. The April up 40 cents to close at 137.52.5. Feeder, excuse me, lean hogs had some major downturns today. Of course, they were trading with that expanded limit since they closed limit down yesterday. We saw the February contract use that entire expanded limit to shed 417 to close at 57.12. The April cutting $4.22 to close at 61.60. And looking over into the dairy parlor, January, of course, expires today, closed down a penny to close at 17.04. The February shed 17 cents to close at 17.17. Without further ado, let's turn it over to my conversation with Carl Lippert. Well, we are joined today by dairy farmer and ag tech junkie Carl Lippert out of Wisconsin. Carl, thanks for first of all, for joining us today. But I think we've had you on the podcast. If not, we've definitely talked about some of what you've been doing in the ag tech space as well as the dairy farming space. But for those of our listeners that have never had the opportunity to interact with you on Twitter or otherwise, tell us a little bit about your background and your ties to agriculture. Yeah, no. Uh, So thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so Wisconsin. So typical Wisconsin dairy, we milk 550 cows. Um, 
we're in Pittsville, so we're kind of in what's called fringe acre land, not the best stuff. But uh, yeah, um, I got into ag technology because I was always, um, I don't know, tinkering around with computers as a kid and software that existed in the dairy space wasn't very exciting to me. So once I, you know, grew and grew up and went to college, uh, got a dairy science degree, then I decided to get a computer information systems degree in Wisconsin also because I wanted to know how to make new software for dairy farms. Um, so really, it's just an extension from that. I've um, been building things uh, for the last few years here, um, mostly focused on FedEx, so focusing on animal feed and really anything related to animal feed. That's really interesting that you had that background, you had that drive to continue, I guess, innovating with the, with the dairy industry. So, Carl, tell us a little bit more about FedEx. You guys had some... You had a big competition this week, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But tell us about the platform, FedEx. Why, I mean, it's, it sounds pretty obvious why you decided to start it, but what does it do? Yeah, so FedEx is a marketplace for animal feed, um, but we think it's much more than that. So we're trying to make it easy for farmers to find the best nutrients for their cattle. Um, because I know when I was farming full-time, I mean, between just the work of managing inventory and then working with your nutritionist and all this stuff and finding you know, the best option for you to feed. Um, even in 2020, these questions are not so clear because market information is opaque or fragmented. Um, so we're trying to centralize all the information you can ever have around feed so farmers can find the best feed uh, for them to, you know, save money on feed. And, yeah, I mean, it's a website. You can actually buy feed on it. The prices are real. Um, and that's something that people haven't had an opportunity to see. And since you are in the dairy industry, is your platform going to focus primarily on dairy feed or will it be feed for all types of livestock? Yeah, when it comes to the tech, we're trying to be what I call, uh, you know, species neutral. Um, But, you know, we'll end up doing more dairy and we do quite a bit of dairy right now. And part of the side effect is just because me and my co-founder are both from a dairy background. But we sell stuff for beef and horses and like really anything under the sun, um, because these products get swapped between all farmers. Yeah, absolutely. And Carl, just looking through your Twitter, it's really interesting to see all of the different segments of agriculture, but definitely of the dairy sector that you're following. The first, the first thing that kind of just pops up to me too is looking at this uh, CBD Ben and Jerry's ice cream I saw just popped up on your Twitter account. What are your thoughts when it comes to some of these alternative products that are hitting the marketplace like that? And then also on the flip side of that, some of the alternative, we'll call them plant milk based products. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm excited and I think uh, I probably get a little bit of uh, people might get confused by that. Um, I'm big into consumer choice and, you know, I believe that dairy should win on its merits. So I'm always, I like the whole alt protein space, as I kind of define it, I think it's super interesting because, um, honestly, most of the people that can figure out how to do that are people that came from probably the food science space and the dairy space. So, um, I think it's wrong to, you know, just blindly say these things are bad and, who knows what kind of new types of products we could create. Um, and some of those might even, you know, the technology for creating those new products also could be something that the dairy industry benefits from. So I'm excited about the alt protein space. 
um, even though I'm a dairy farmer. Yeah, and I think that's a really unique position because a lot of dairy farmers that I talk to, I don't know that they have necessarily that same mindset about it. Yeah, no, um, I'm definitely uh, not winning everyone's uh, favorite farmer award <laughs> for being that guy. Um, but it doesn't, um, I don't think that the downfall of dairy will be some alt protein necessarily. So if you believe in the dairy industry's ability to execute, which I do, um, it's more just like a whole fun new world of products that we get to enjoy. Yes, Absolutely. So, Carl, I want to turn it back a little bit now to your recent trip to Iowa. And today is your birthday. So happy birthday, Carl. But did you get a good birthday present this week? How did you do in the Iowa Power Farming Show uh, Ag Tech competition pitch is essentially what it was, is it, was it not? Yeah, yeah. No, it was a pitch event. And we were happy to be there. And we had a very good time. Unfortunately, we did not win the contest. But no major screw-ups on my part on the stage. So always consider that a win. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to interact with people from Farm Credit Services America, which is actually very important for our business. So the whole trip was a win, um, even though we didn't win the competition. So, Carl, when you're going in front of, I assume you've probably done maybe a couple of pitch competitions before this one, but what is your pitch when you get up there on, on stage and you're doing your thing, talking to the audience, talking to the judges? Well, the main thing we try to pitch is that, you know, feed needs an upgrade, um, and farmers can be the benefactors of that. So we preach, you know, transparency. Whatever amount of transparency we can uh, coax out of the industry, we will. Um, and we think that feed has a lot of upside yet. And the only – that product innovation and what, it, what the products are fed is not the only innovation we need. And this year in particular has definitely been a hard one, especially for dairy producers. We talked a lot on the podcast over the past couple of months about having the forage shortages in Wisconsin and your kind of neck of the woods up there. How would FedEx have handled that situation differently? I know the platform is not necessarily rolled out commercially yet, but how would you guys have handled some of those issues? Well, you know, um, markets kind of fix themselves by changing prices, right? Um, so we've we've obviously, yeah, the forage shortage, um, fiber and all sorts of stuff. Um, basically, when people have the ability to discover new opportunities, um, that helps sort some of that stuff out on its own, right? So if you don't have access to any information about people and what they can sell for feed only a few hundred miles away, where the ROI is still positive for you to buy from them, um, you won't. So Sometimes discovery solves that problem and other times just market forces and improving how much you can see about the cost of nutrients on your farm. Well, that's very neat. Carl, give us your timeline. Are you are you collecting investors or where are you at in the commercial rollout process for FedEx? So we've been building and building and building. Um, me and my co-founder actually moved to Madison last fall to specifically go 100% on this. And we will be rolling out some early versions of our new marketplace uh, within the next 30 days here and testing out our infrastructure as it relates to payments and logistics because we do semi-shipping and all this stuff. And, you know, depending on how that goes and how farmers take some of the new things we've built, um, 
you know, maybe this summer we'll consider um, doing a venture type thing. But right now we're bootstrapped and we're just trying to build more things. We have a business that generates enough money so we can keep going. We won't die without taking venture investors. So that's about where we are. That's really neat. And if folks are interested in learning more about FedEx, do you guys have a an online platform that we can get more information from? Absolutely. So you can go to um, feedsforless.com if you like. That's where we sell feed out of right now. And soon to be feedx.io. So that's F-E-E-D-X.io. And like you said, you can always find me on Twitter. And uh, I respond well there. Awesome. And you're at Carl Lippert on Twitter. Carl, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for having me. Well, again, a big thank you there to Carl. That wraps up another great week here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Folks, we're going to be traveling next week. I'm going to be traveling next week. Don't know if we have too many Albany, New York listeners, but if we do, I'll be at the Northeast Agricultural and Feed Alliance annual meeting Monday and Tuesday, then heading down to San Antonio. I'm hoping for some warmer weather for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association convention. If any of you are going to be at either of those two events or just want to connect with us and any upcoming events we'll be at, please feel free to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily, or you can find me personally at Delaney Howell 7 on Twitter. With that, hope everybody has a great Super Bowl weekend. Go Chiefs! We'll see you all back here on Monday.